Welcome to TAC Talks, a podcast where we unpack the standards for registered training organisations to provide practical information to support business improvement and compliance practices. My name is Shari Hogg and I'm an accreditation reviewer for the Training Accreditation Council, or TAC. Before we commence, I'd like to respectfully acknowledge the Noongar Wujak people on whose land we record today and pay our respects to the Elders past, present and emerging. Our topic for today is about the Training Accreditation Council itself to explore its role in supporting vocational education and training services, or VET, in Western Australia. Today, I have the pleasure of talking with Anne Driscoll, the Chair of the Training Accreditation Council, and Lisa Barron, the Manager of Risk and Information for the Tax Secretariat. Both Anne and Lisa have extensive experience in the VET and regulatory sectors. For the benefit of any newcomers in the sector listening today, I'll begin by explaining briefly that the VET sector in Australia provides vocational training across the ever-expanding range of workplace skills and competencies. Registered training organisations, or RTOs, are registered to deliver nationally recognised VET qualifications and are regulated by one of three regulators, the Training Accreditation Council in Western Australia, or the Victorian Registration and Qualifications Authority, or the VRQA, or also the Australian Skills Quality Authority, or ASQA, which is the national regulator. So firstly, Anne, welcome. Thanks, Shari. It's great to be here today. And Lisa, welcome and thank you for joining us. Thanks, Shari. I'm pleased to be here today. Firstly, Anne, please describe for our audience, who is the Training Accreditation Council and what are its functions? Okay, thanks, Shari. The Training Accreditation Council is WA's VET regulator. As you mentioned, there are three regulators operating around Australia, and I'll explain how that all fits together a little later on. But the Training Accreditation Council, most people will know as the TAC, so it's an acronym for the full name, or otherwise it's referred to as the Council. And it's responsible for quality assurance of WA-based RTOs in terms of approving RTOs to operate in this state, but also monitoring the quality of training. And it's got an additional role of accrediting tailored VET courses that aren't part of training packages. So in a nutshell, Anne, what does the council actually do? Well, firstly, I should say that the council is established through legislation and that's what gives it the authority to be able to formally operate and register training providers. So um, the legislation, uh, for those that are interested in this sort of thing, is the Vocational Education and Training Act 1996. And then there's a whole set of regulations that sit under that legislation that sort of round out some of the role of the Training Accreditation Council. And within that, the functions that are set out are firstly to register WA-based training providers. And there's a sequence of assessment that's done to determine if someone's suitable to be registered. We also accredit courses, and these are courses that are, if you like, tailored courses for particular needs that aren't covered by the existing raft of of training package qualifications. We also spend a lot of time liaising with industry in WA and government to make sure that um, we're... um, abreast of any emerging issues they're seeing with the quality of training. And that can then guide us in terms of the um, the approach we take to um, focusing our regulatory activities. We then undertake things like assessments of how RTOs are going in relation to their 
quality of training and focus on the, the RTO standards and whether they're meeting the requirements. And then finally, if there are particular issues that are of a serious nature, we can consider varying the scope of what a training provider is delivering or alternatively suspending or cancelling a registration. Now, that's done in a very rare event. And we're very fortunate to have high-quality RTOs operating in West Australia. Um, being locally based is really important because it means we're connected to industry and we have, I think, very good strong relationships also with government and with various associations that exist to support industry. So we've got our ears to the ground, if you like, in terms of any emerging issues and ideally can then be on the front foot in responding and ideally supporting RTOs to address any issues that might be evolving. Can you also tell me then what underpins tax regulatory approach? Well, very much we're committed fundamentally to the quality of training and therefore that the student gets the training they need and to operate effectively in industry, you know, industry are also happy that the skills of people coming out of the VET system are in sync with their own needs. I think together with that, what really works is that the council's really committed to a client-focused approach. It understands that to do those things, we need a really good mutually supportive relationship with our RTOs and together we can grow the quality of training in WA. So we also have a risk-based approach. So as I referred to earlier, constantly surveilling the scene to make sure that, well, okay, there seems to be some issues there, let's focus there, rather than having a broad-based approach and perhaps being you know, unduly interventionist in the training sector. While we are a regulator, we do value, as I said, that client relationship with RTOs. And I think what you know, I'm really impressed with in terms of what the council does is its very strong commitment to training and education of RTOs. And you know, the products that are available are very much based on what people are saying they need to support their role. And we're constantly learning too from what we're seeing from audit issues arising so that we're able to make sure that the training is tailored to where the risks might be for an RTO. You know, I'm really happy with the client focus that is embodied in, in the notion that every RTO has a contact person within the tax secretariat. They've got a go-to person. They can ring that person and say, hey, I'm not sure about this. What can you point me to? Or I'm up for re-registration, but I'm confused about this. And so it's a really nice way of making ourselves accessible to RTOs and together making sure we are on top of our mutual obligations. Well, it's certainly clear that being client-focused is a key council priority. I noted earlier that TAC is one of three regulators in Australia. Why is it that WA has its own VET regulator, while other states and territories fall under the national regulator, ASQA? Yes, yes. Thanks for that, Sherry. It's a good question. And just to give you a bit of history, the WA TAC has been around for about 25 years. So for some years back, each of the states had their own VET regulator. ASQA, the national regulator, was introduced around 10 years ago. But the WA government decided that it would like to retain a WA-based regulator to make sure that our risk assessments and our training 
priorities align with what is WA's issues and emerging needs. So the decision was taken to retain the WA regulator in the same way that Victoria's government decided similarly. It does mean, as I said, we can maintain that close association with industry and with the needs of students in WA and really have that close connection between industry and RTOs and make sure that our training is meeting industry needs. Having said all that, I think it's really important though to point out that each of the three regulators is absolutely working from the same hymn sheet um, in that we're all of course have um, RTOs who need to comply with RTO standards that operate nationally and additionally as regulators there's also a set of standards that govern how we operate too. So there's a nice consistency across Australia but we're able to make sure that the training for WA based providers is in sync with any needs and issues that WA industry have. Oh, that's great. Thank you, Anne. I'd like to now bring Lisa Barron, uh, the Manager Risk Information with the Tax Secretariat, into our discussion. Lisa, Anne has talked about how TAC is responsive and proactive to the training needs of the state. Can you tell me how the Secretariat supports the Council in being responsive and proactive? Absolutely. Integral to Council's ability to be responsive and proactive is understanding WA's training market to know where the pressures and risks may be. And to do this, the Secretariat have our ear to the ground, so to speak. Our physical presence in the state allows us to have authentic interactions with RTOs and industry stakeholders to hear about their issues and concerns. For example, if an RTO has an issue or if there are more systemic issues at hand, we have Secretariat staff available to meet and discuss the issue. TAC initiates ongoing engagement with local industry, training councils, peak associations and other government agencies, including industry regulators when needed, and has fostered ongoing relationships with them. This ensures council can act quickly when necessary, which is extremely important when quality of training is at stake. Lisa, what do you mean by acting quickly. Sherry, it's our accessibility and responsiveness as a regulator that gives us greater agility to make changes and support the sector. For example, we can be having a conversation with an RTO on one day and within a very short time span, we can have the issue raised and considered by the council. And both RTOs and industry can see the outcome to fruition in the coming months. This can allow us to initiate support measures quickly, as well as re rapidly responding to an identified risk in the sector. Similarly, we can also meet rapidly changing workforce needs through the Council's course accreditation function. Tax able to accredit locally developed courses driven by local needs in a timely manner. This includes accrediting courses that meet new industry requirements and state government priorities such as employment and training initiatives. I'm hearing from both yourself and Anne that TAC really prides itself on a client-centred approach. Anne, I note that TAC uses a risk-based approach to regulate RTOs. How do you integrate your client focus into this? Mm. Yeah, it is about us assessing the risks, both through that industry liaison, but also through the feedback we get from audits in terms of where RTOs are struggling. 
in some ways, there's a nice feedback loop there. So then we can tailor our training to respond to those areas where people are struggling to make sure that people are armed with, you know, the, the right information to help them tweak their training and address any shortfalls. I think we very much see that us working closely with RTOs and getting some feedback from them about what they need in terms of support means that we're working together such that the community has confidence in the sector. And it's a win-win. We are together ensuring that the standards are met, but at the same time, we're collectively ensuring that the reputation of VET is held in high regard. Of course, in the end, if there is a concern that arises, it's in the interest of everyone for us to ensure that any non-compliances though are addressed and any serious issues are dealt with appropriately. Can you explain then for our audience what this actually looks like in practice? Well, in terms of then taking that step where there is a serious concern, I need to really emphasise that the council is very concerned to properly evaluate the nature of the issue and to make sure that the response is proportionate to the level of impact. And so, you know, we really need to very much consider the broader risk. Um, You know, what's the nature of the training and what impact would it have in the workplace? For example, work health and safety is a very serious issue and can have disastrous consequences. So if there are activities in industry like that, we need to act very quickly. The sort of nature of the RTO in terms of the scope of activities, the numbers of students, what is the um, orientation of the organisation to comply? These are all the things that need to be weighed up in terms of what is the right action to take if there is a recurring or serious concern. It's not a, a very common event, but at the same time, if there is a serious issue in the interests of all of the vet sector, it's important that we act quickly, of course, in the end to support students and industry itself. So thank you, Anne. I'd now like to direct this question to Lisa. Lisa, I note that both yourself and Anne talk about the importance of the support role that you undertake as a regulator. Can you tell me how you undertake that support? Supporting RTOs is a very important component of our regulatory approach. We know that by being proactive, by supporting and upskilling our sector, it reduces the levels of non-compliance against the standards. In fact, recently, on analysis of RTO compliance data, we've seen education as an effective strategy to increase levels of RTO compliance. To be clear though, VET isn't a new industry. However, the skills, training products, equipment, workplaces and employment opportunities are ever-changing. As a result, our education program is expanding all the time in response to RTO requests for education on specific topics, as well as feedback from participants. We use RTO compliance data to inform the development of guidance materials and workshops and have introduced more innovative and accessible approaches to disseminate guidance materials by creating bite-sized training opportunities, such as podcasts and animations. Lisa, the importance of learning achieved from an audit approach can be significant as we know. Can you tell me more about the audit approach as I know that this is what most people think about when they hear the word regulator? Audits can often evoke fear to those RTOs who may be preparing for one to occur. For regulators, audits are a necessary tool. 
TAC strives to ensure its audits are very much a two-way process. While not only assessing an RTO's compliance against the standards, a fundamental role as a regulator, we also encourage RTOs to see the audit process as a useful tool in understanding their strengths and opportunities for improvement. The conversations with the auditor during the audit process can be a significant learning opportunity, where RTOs are provided with timely feedback during the audit process and not just when it's all finished. Anne, I'm hearing so much more about some of the underlying factors that guide your approach. Now, I know that this doesn't all happen in a vacuum. So tell me about the people that assist you in this process. Well, I have to say we are very fortunate in terms of the depth and experience that we have across the team that supports the Training Accreditation Council. The council itself, firstly, has very skilled um, members, both those who have experience as large RTOs as leading them, as well as that people who have worked and lead small RTOs. And it means that our work is very grounded and people are operating from a point of view of understanding the pressures that RTOs are under, but also an appreciation of the need to ensure that our training is of high quality because they understand the impact. We also have um, within the council itself extensive experience in, in the regulatory side of things and the understanding that education as well as close monitoring are critical elements. More widely, we have the benefit of very, very skilled auditors and reviewers of accredited courses. They have high credibility with the sector and not only are they available to undertake audits, etc., but of course are very important in ensuring our education activities are well-based also. And then finally, we've got this excellent secretariat team. So the team who are actively involved in the registration process, the development of the education program, the development of the audit program, etc. And I have to say, highly experienced and passionate in terms of ensuring our training is top notch, as well as evidence through all of their activities dedicated to supporting the sector. So we're very fortunate, but we're always open for feedback. And, you know, as you know, we're constantly seeking feedback on just how we're travelling and what we could do differently. So, Lisa, could I come back to you for one last question that I have before we finish up? I know that one of the guiding principles of the Council is to maintain a culture of continuous improvement. What does this actually mean? To me, it means that nothing remains static and there's a focus on improving the way things are done. For RTOs, continuous improvement is about implementing a program of internal review to ensure the RTO is meeting its obligations under the standards for RTOs on an ongoing basis and making small and large adjustments to business processes where needed to ensure quality VET outcomes. For TAC, this means we continually seek feedback from all our stakeholders through formal and informal mechanisms and we use this to constantly make improvements to our processes. We're very proactive in a space that has to be structured and process driven, and certainly don't just wait for information to come to us. 
TAC draws information from a range of sources and we're constantly doing research and engaging with the broader sector to inform our approach and the work we do to support our providers. Thank you, Annalisa, for speaking with me today and for providing us with more of an insight into TAC and the very important role that you undertake. I just want to remind listeners that additional information on all that we have discussed in the podcast is available on the TAC website at tac.wa.gov.au. You have been listening to Shari, Anne and Lisa on the topic of who is TAC and what is its role. And I thank you for joining us.